Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week, opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast, either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author or a look at some excellent backlist YA titles. I'm Tears of Price, and today I am so, so thrilled to be chatting with debut YA author Emma Cress, who is the author of Dangerous Play, which will be out from Macmillan on August 3rd. And we are going to be talking about girls in sports in YA, because that is Emma's jam. Welcome, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a treat to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, Well, I'm so excited to have you as well, and I'm so excited for your amazing-sounding book. Uh, The cover is gorgeous, so if you haven't checked out the cover, definitely take a second to do that. And I'm really excited to just dive into this topic with you because I know that you have given me so many great recommendations over the months, and yes, I'm very excited. (sighs) Me too. All right. Well, before we dive in, um, we are going to hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Wednesday Books. In this sweeping debut, Asha Bromfield, yes, the Riverdale actress, takes readers to the heart of Jamaica and into the soul of a girl coming to terms with her family and herself, set against the backdrop of a hurricane. Tilla is forced to face the storm that unravels in her own life as she learns about the dark secrets that lie beyond the veil of paradise. Hurricane Summer is a powerful coming-of-age story that deals with colorism, classism, young love, the father-daughter dynamic, and what it means to discover your own voice in the center of complete destruction. Thanks so much to Wednesday Books and Hurricane Summer by Asha Bromfield. All right, Emma. So before we really like dig into this topic, I would love to have you just kind of give us a little bit of a pitch or tell us more about Dangerous Play. Sure. Dangerous Play is a contemporary young adult novel about Zoe, a field hockey team captain who desperately wants to win the New York State Field Hockey Championship and earn a scholarship to her dream college. But when she's sexually assaulted, she and her ride-or-die team become vigilantes to fight rape culture in their town. And that kind of gets in the way of the whole championship thing. So there's obviously field hockey, which is fun. But there's also parkour. Before the book begins, the team had incorporated parkour into their intense athletic conditioning and training. But Zoe, our protagonist, for various reasons, cough, cough, backstory, (laughs) she never felt safe doing parkour. But parkour ends up playing a huge role in their vigilante actions. So I have two sports because one apparently wasn't enough. (laughs) Um, But I also include... Something that's been surprisingly missing from a lot of YA girl athlete books, which we could talk about, and that is highlighting the special friendships that can happen on a full sports team. 
So that is something I'm also passionate about, the sports, but also that friendship piece. Absolutely. I mean, the teamwork aspect really requires you to get to know somebody on a like different level than just, oh, you know, I'm friends with them at school. Absolutely. And just so just the sheer amount of time that they spend together, right? There's just yes. such an opportunity for some really deep friendships. And then what you go through, you're constantly being pushed and constantly up against obstacles that you have to fight together. So it feels like it really is such wonderful ground for building a, a beautiful friendships, right? Um, but we don't see a ton of them. We see them in boys' fiction, which is annoying that it's, <laughs> that it's not that's not in girls' fiction as much, so or quote unquote girls' fiction, quote unquote yes. boys fiction, but but fiction that features boys in and boys' sports is what I meant. Yes, I understand. And I would you say that that's kind of what draws you to sports stories the most is just like that opportunity for, you know, really diving into those relationships or, or what what is appealing? I do love that. I do love that for sure. But I also, you know, I think when I and I love sports movies, too. And I and I love sp- real sport, right? Like watching actual, <laughs> actually real life athletes playing real life sports. And I think it's because we are seeing humans at their most powerful, right? So we see them doing these incredible athletic feats. And it makes real this thing that is so unreal, right? So like when we see Katniss kicking butt against the Capitol in the Hunger Games, we also know that that is a deeply fictional world, right? But when we Mm -hmm. see somebody winning a championship on a sports field, we also are seeing these odds, but we're seeing them happen in a very realistic, attainable way. And the other thing I like are those odds, right? Like we're seeing people beat the odds and there's just something about scoring that goal or a touchdown or crossing that finish line that just makes that win so visceral and apparent. They did it. You know, like I was watching a movie the other, I actually clapped. I'm not even kidding. I, I, I <laughs> alone in on my couch with my family, I just clapped and my family made fun of me. But it just, it feels good. It's hope manifested, right? Like we just see them get their, what they deserve in the best way possible. Absolutely. And I think about, Sometimes reading a really good sports scene is kind of like reading a really good action scene. And I imagine as a writer, both are kind of hard to pull off. So it's really impressive when you read a sports scene, which is, you know, something that you normally witness visually and then you're reading it. And and I think really good one. That's some impressive writing right there. Well, hopefully you'll feel that way after you read my book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure sure I will. (laughs) I'm sure I will. So, okay, what are some of your, I guess, favorite elements or tropes of a good sports story? Because we do love tropes here at Book Riot. Um, We love getting nerdy about them. I think tropes are, you know, kind of what fan bases are sometimes based around just because there are certain things that just totally jive with readers. So I would love to hear about what you love. Yes. I mean, you know, and it's interesting because I think we talk a lot, we being the broader YA community, talk a lot about romance tropes, but I don't feel like there's a ton of talk about sports tropes, but they totally exist. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think um, I love the underdog trope, 
Classic. You know, where you are rooting for the team or athlete that doesn't have the money or the resources or they just keep getting beat, right? And, and I think that goes back to that beating all odds piece that I mentioned earlier. So I love that. I love a good training montage. <laughs> I think in movies, that's super clear. But I think that exists in books too, right? Like where you just have this pleasure of seeing somebody work their tails off for yes. a thing, right? To train for a thing. And you are watching them improve, right? Mm-hmm. And that is just so satisfying. I love team banter. I love the shorthand and inside jokes. I love it when they almost invent their own language, right? Where it feels like you've been, you've just entered another world, which is just so cool. And I think, I think that's the other piece. I don't know if I define this as a trope, but I think it, it is good sports writing when they have details of the sport. So I'm not quite as, I think, well-read in the sports Y genre, subgenre as you are, but I have been reading some great books, some on your recommendation and some I don't know if you've read yet. Um, have you read She Drives Me Crazy by Kelly Quinlan? No, that has been on my list. Uh, it's really good. And I think what I really enjoy about it is it has a really good sort of competitor tension and dynamic. And it has that like on multiple levels because it does have an enemies to lovers and fake dating sort of romantic Mm. trope. But then you also have, you know, the main character, her name is Scotty. She's a really good basketball player, but she kind of plays for the small town team where they're not taken quite as seriously as a sport and as a team. And they're trying really hard and they are pretty good and they have some good players. But underdog trope, I'm telling you. (laughs) underdog but so her ex-girlfriend tally is also a good basketball player but tally can't really stand the fact that basketball players aren't respected in their Mm. school so she transfers to their competitor school you know which is like the next town over and she breaks up with scotty before the book starts so the book starts with this opening game where they're playing their competitor school And Scotty is also playing against her ex-girlfriend, Tally. And the tension is just fantastic. And also kind of like cringeworthy too, because, you know, the game doesn't go super well for Scotty. It's really good. And I enjoy that sort of like, yeah, that competition. But then it also has some interesting dynamics because Mm. you talked about a training montage. And I feel like this book also has some good sort of practice montages because the premise of the book is that in order to make Tally jealous, Scotty decides to embark on a fake dating scheme with a head cheerleader named Irene. (laughs) And part of this fake dating scheme is Irene and her cheer squad comes in and they watch the basketball players and they cheer for them. And the fact that like, the cheerleaders, their presence brings so much like energy and positive flow mm. to the basketball practices. So it's like a really good sort of like a practice scenes. And they're mm. like, yes, we're really feeling it. So that's it's a delightful book. I love it on so many levels. Well, what sounds so great about it is and, and this is yet another thing that I love about sports stories. But right. So all good books, all good stories have good conflict. Right. Yes. And so sports that's kind of, it feels as a writer a bit like you're cheating (laughs) because (laughs) there's just conflict right there ready for the taking. And what sounds so appealing about this book is that 
you've got the conflict of the exit, right? Like you've got all the relationship conflict. You've got the sort of class conflict. You've got that underdog conflict and you have the sports conflict, right? So that is just, yes, that is a trifecta of good conflict right there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's so great that you bring up conflict because it's interesting when you can have a sports novel where there's conflict like on and off the field or Mm. on and off the court, so to speak. Yes. And I, I, read this book on your recommendation, but The Knockout by Sajni Patel, Mm. uh, I think is a really good example of that because it's a solo sport, but Mm -hmm. she's, you know, she wants to become the best Mai Tai fighter that she can be. But she also has all this conflict at home that's sort of unnecessarily holding her back, but making it very difficult for her Mm -hmm. to get where she wants to go. Mm-hmm. And within her, I mean, there's there's conflict at home. There's conflict. I think what's really interesting about that book is that you have her straddling two worlds, right? So at school, nobody knows she's a serious athlete. So there's that struggle. There's sort of that like public persona, private persona. And that is actually that I have read a couple of books like that. So maybe we could even call that a trope, right? Like the, the, the people at school don't know your real identity, in other words. Mm-hmm. But then we've also got her struggling within her Indian community because she doesn't feel Indian enough, right? And at school, she's not white enough. So it becomes this another tension, another source of conflict for her. And of course, the athletic goals that she has in her dedication to her Muay Thai only makes that more complex. And of course, she falls for a guy who challenges her in all the ways. And yeah, (laughs) That's that, and that's another debut. Yay for 2021 debuts. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, it's so good. I really enjoyed um, it. And I listened to the audiobook by Sunila Nankani, which is an Ooh. excellent, excellent audio pick because she just does a wonderful job narrating. Yeah. Oh, I bet that would be good. Oh, yeah. And I think that really brings up a couple, um, or sort of is like a, Nice little lead into another, I guess, topic of discussion or question I wanted to pose to you, which is that when you have these books where it's female athletes, sometimes Mm. there is that like that element of like having to prove yourself as a serious athlete. Yeah, because definitely the knockout deals with that Um, to a certain extent. So does she drives me crazy because Irene, the love interest is very serious about um, cheerleading and she has a subplot where she is accepted to college and she's going to go to college and hopefully get a scholarship on cheerleading, but she needs to win student athlete of the year in order to kind of solidify her chances and prove to her parents that she's, you know, serious Mm. about this. Mm. But the people in their school don't think that cheerleading is a serious sport. So I would love to kind of discuss some of like what sort of feminist themes that you know, these books are sort of bringing out in sports stories. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and it's interesting to connect that proving self theme or goal as as a feminist thread. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, you know, there there are a couple of books that came to mind immediately when you said proving herself. Like I just finished Throw Like a Girl by Sarah Henning, which I think came out last year. And it's actually about a softball player, hot-headed softball player who gets into a fight at the championship game. This is how the book starts. And as a result of this fight, she loses her scholarship, has to leave her school, goes to the competitor school. So that's similar to She Drives Me Crazy. And 
she has to prove to the coach at that school that she can be a team player because the coach feels like she can't. And so she ends up becoming the backup quarterback for the football team. I know that's a typical, a typical, (laughs) a typical way to prove yourself. I mean, she, Henning makes it fit. So, I mean, the way I just said it made it sound ridiculous and it is, it does not feel ridiculous in the, in the, in the book. It's so well done. It's so well written, great, likable characters. And what's interesting about the choices that Henning makes is this is a girl in a boy's world, which I would say that I would add that to our list of tropes, particularly for girl athletes, right? There's there's so many books where it's the girl trying to fit into the boy's world. But in this book, in Throw Like a Girl, there are none of the issues that you'd expect from that. Like toxic masculinity is pretty much absent. And so the conflict ends up coming from other sources, uh, which I, I just think was really an interesting choice. And then you have a book like Michigan versus the Boys by Carrie Allen. Have you ever read that? I have not, but I think that's a great title. Oh my gosh, I loved that book. It came out a couple of years or so, 2019. And because of budget cuts, the hero, Michigan, who is a dedicated ice hockey player, she goes out for the boys team. Ooh. And she's incredible on the ice. But the boys are very unhappy about her being on the team and quote unquote haze her. And it just turns, it is, there is no, nothing friendly about it. It gets very nasty. And it is all about toxic masculinity. It's rampant. And I do feel like in many ways, Alan is cutting at, <laughs> with ice skates, she's cutting at the the kind of toxic masculinity that I think has existed in the sports fiction genre for many people, you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. part of what bothered so many girl athletes about movies and books and just general media that was featuring sports. This toxic masculinity was just sort of, well, boys will be boys, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like Alan does a really good job of highlighting it, naming it, and taking it down. And Alan is a serious athlete herself. She's a huge sport. Like if you follow her on Twitter, like pretty much her entire Twitter (laughs) is about sports. And she's, I think she's a sports therapist too. So she brings that authenticity to those details that just makes the book come alive. But I don't, you know, so I think those are two really interesting ways to get at feminist sports fiction, right? Like in Throw Like a Girl, Sarah Henning is not taking down that toxic masculinity, it's like she's envisioning she's envisioning a world where it doesn't exist. Exactly, exactly, right? And so she's doing this very creative thing of in a space where there has not been a girl, making space for a girl and having that be just fine, right? Yeah. Which is so feminist, right? And then you have Carrie Allen and Michigan and the boy versus the boys where she it, it is very much like let's let's take our ice pick to the patriarchy and take it down, right? So love it. I think that's that's very cool, right? And I, I you know, I think the other piece for me, and you and I have talked about this, is that I want the love story to be feminist, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I'm so interested to hear what you think that means, but I think for me that means that the the boy does not come between her and her goal or the or that the love interest doesn't define her or that the love interest isn't the one to like push her to be better in the sport 
right? Like that, yeah. that she can be a, a strong, powerful athlete in her own right. And mm-hmm. also have love interests, right? Like yes. that, that that is a sort of solid additional story. I think that the knockout does that pretty well because Amit, the the love interest, he he's not a Mai Tai fighter. He, he doesn't yes. even know for, I think, like more than half the book that she has this thing going on yes. and that she's really good because she's keeping it from him. Yes. And um, when he finds out, she's very nervous about telling him because she's afraid that he's going to think that she's unfeminine or that he's going to be afraid of her. And he kind of, I think if I'm remembering correctly, he makes the joke of like, well, I'm always, always a little afraid of you. Like you're, you're pretty, you know, strong and powerful in your own right. But like, I, I don't need to like make you feel small to make myself feel big. Yes. Like he's very supportive and he gets really excited and geeks out about like once he finds out that she does this sport and I really liked that that he was so supportive in that yes I did too and you know I I think it was really so I read the knockout back to back with kisses and croissants by Anne-Sophie Johano I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly And both are 2021 debuts, both are out. And what was really interesting to me is I think, so Kisses and Croissants is about this American girl who gets into this elite summer ballet program. And we don't often talk about dance as sport, but I think it totally, for me, for the things that I love about sports, it totally fits. There's not popcorn and like loud guffawing at the the performance, (laughs) but other than that, it's kind of the same thing. So what was interesting to me, though, reading them back to back was that I think that both authors pretty much devoted the same amount of page time to romance and the sport of choice. And Mm -hmm. yet in their titles and their marketing, they went in very different directions, which I just think is really fascinating, right? Like, so with Kisses and Croissants, I mean, just the title, right? Like, it's clearly about boys in Paris, But it's so much about this girl with her intense dreams to become this elite ballerina. And then in The Knockout, it's so much about her paving the way to the Muay Thai Open, right? And yet we have this really intense love story that's deeply feminist and that's very supportive. So isn't that interesting? I think that's really striking. And I don't know quite what to make of it. I just think it's interesting. I think that how publishers choose to position and market YA books is always really interesting. And especially with like the types of readers they are trying to attract. And I mean, I think so much of it is like what, what is selling in YA right now and what do they think will make people pick up the book? Yeah. And maybe it's the sport itself, right? Like the knockout is, you know, I, I can't think of another YA book that's featured Muay Thai. So no, that is striking, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's interesting, right? You're sort of pulled in because of that to some extent. Whereas I do think there are some YA books that have featured ballet before. So mm-hmm. maybe that was a piece of it. But I do think that's interesting too. Like there are these sports books out there that aren't necessarily getting the sports treatment. And yet they are sporty, right? Like, and they are feminist and they are making space for girls, you know, serious girl athletes. 
Yes. And yeah, that's such an interesting point. And I love that. And um, I was wondering, too, because we've been talking about like team sports versus like solo sports stories where it's nobody's, you know, working collaboratively on a team, but they are still, you know, very much athletes and maybe they are on a team. It's just not like a team sport, so to speak. Yes. So like, what are some key differences in those stories that you see or what would you like to see more of in like those different stories? Yeah, it's interesting. So <laughs> speaking from experience, I don't recommend if you're a writer and you're listening, <laughs> you probably don't want to do a team story. <laughs> um, I have learned the hard way. It's very challenging to fully develop the characters of a full team, right? So yeah. I think, I, you know, I get why sensible <laughs> writers who are smarter than me don't do that. I think, though, for me, solidarity and sisterhood is such a critical part of my feminism, of my identity, that I just really like examining that. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, you and I talk about that. Like, I love a good romance. I really love a good romance. But at the same time, I think for most teens, uh, certainly for me, a romantic relationship was not the defining relationship of my teen years, right? Friendships yeah, were. same. So I feel like I just, I, I think sort of looking at those friendships is just so interesting. And I think teams really lend themselves to examining those in some creative ways. And I guess, you know, I feel like there's a lot of mythology around the mean girl trope, right? The the competitor trope, the fact that if they're athletes, they can't be friends. Mm -hmm. So I love when feminist books subvert that. So actually, I just finished, I am so obsessed with it. It's called Break the Fall by Jennifer Iacopelli, which came out last year in 2020. And what's interesting about this book is it's about elite gymnastics, which Ooh. I think of as a solo sport, right? Like you are by yourself out on whatever element it is, be it the beam or the bars or the floor, right? And yet she does. So it, it, it follows this girl, um, Audrey, who does the very hard thing of getting into the Olympics. And then the coach is accused of sexual assault and everything spirals out. And it's a really well-written book. But what surprised me is the fact that the girls come together as a team and that the solidarity that happens among all of the gymnastics. So they go to the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's literally like in the sports world, that's as big a championship <laughs> as you can imagine with as big a reason to be competitive and standoffish between each other. But the girls unite. And wow, Right? Like that just that alone just makes it so much better to me that mm -hmm. that they come together as that team. So I do get why we have so many solo athlete stories because I think that allows space to examine different things, right? Like family relationships, internal relationships, internal arcs, all the kinds of things that we like to see in a good book. But that team piece also just has so much to offer. And I feel like we don't get a lot of that, especially with girl athletes. We we really rarely see it. Yes, I agree with that. And I think that even if you do have those solo sports, it is essential to just kind of just show those relationships in a strong light, not to keep coming back to the knockout. But one of my favorite parts of the knockout was when 
the protagonist finally accepted an invitation for like an athletic, like female athletes at her school mm, Facebook group. And, you know, she's kind of reluctant to tell people that she does this thing, but then another, um, her friendship with another athlete at her school convinces her to join this Facebook group. And she finds the support and uh, like support, like emotionally, but also like literal actual financial support to get her to where yes. she wants to go yes. in this group. And it's such a beautiful moment because like, you know, she's doing this on her own. She's not on a team, but like all these other female athletes are like, how can we help you? Let's make this happen. I agree. I le- that was one of my favorite parts of that story, which I guess given what I just rambled about makes sense. <laughs> but I, I feel like what I, I just loved that so much. And I think what Patel did so well is that it fit so beautifully into her character arc. Right. It's yes. the, it's it's what she needed to learn. And it gets at what we talked about before about her straddling all these worlds and really brought that home for her in such a beautiful way. I loved that piece. I agree. Yes. All right. So we'll do like, I want to do some like little rapid questions here. If there is something that you wish you would see more of in YA sports stories, especially with female protagonists, what would you like to see more of? I think I'm seeing them, you know, <laughs> like I think, I, I, I think people are really doing it. I have to tell you when I was querying dangerous play there were no sports stories (laughs) like there really weren't now this is you know i started writing it in 2014 but there were just so few like there was dairy queen which was wonderful but it wasn't and i do feel like that really opened the door for Mm -hmm. girl athlete powerful girl athlete stories girls that took athleticism seriously but it was very much girl in a boy's world and she wasn't really getting to do her athleticism, right? We weren't seeing mm-hmm. her do her sport, really. And so I'm just so wowed and pleased by how many more stories are coming into the marketplace. What I do really wish I was seeing more of is more representation across the board. You know, more queer stories, more people of color stories. You know, we've got the wonderful Firekeeper's Daughter that just came out where we've got this incredible story about an ice hockey player, right? And she is fierce. And it's interesting because there's so much else to talk about with that book that people are forgetting to talk about the fact that it is very much a sports story. So I love that. I love that we're seeing more representation across the board. That makes me really happy because I, I do think it's such a new thing to give girl athletes space on the page. And, you know, there are a lot of girls who take their sport incredibly seriously. So it's really nice that YA is starting to listen to them and give that to them. Yes. All right. What sport do you think there needs to be more books about? Mm. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the Olympics coming up. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, what are there not books about? And there aren't really very many books about a lot of the Olympic sports, which is sort of interesting and strange to think about. So, you know, soccer is well represented. And I will say, because my family is my family, that in many ways is my heart, even though I played field hockey um, and and did not play soccer. (laughs) That is a sport I will always happily read about. But You know, there's not a ton about swimming. There are a few, but they tend to be more romance-based than like athlete-based. 
there aren't any about, or there's not a lot anyway about archery or cross country or running. And again, there are featuring boy athletes, but not girl athletes. So I, I do, I think there's a lot more space to grow with this. I mean, I think, and, and I, in some ways it doesn't matter to me. Like I wouldn't have thought I wanted to read a book about ice hockey or canoeing. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't my favorite things. And yet those authors, because they were passionate about them and because they brought so much authenticity and detail to the page, like I just, I love any book that puts me in a world. And I think that's, again, what we've talked about. One of the things I love so much about sports is it puts you in a world, right? Absolutely. So put me in whatever world you're <laughs> passionate about, future writer, sports person, and I will happily read it. I think it's so great. Excellent. All right. If there's one book that you haven't mentioned yet on this podcast yes. that you would like to recommend, please give us all the recommendations. <laughs> we have to talk about I can't believe I somehow have not talked about it because it was probably one of my top favorite books of 2020, which is Furia by Shamile Syed Mendez. It is unbelievable. It's set in Argentina. Camila, our hero, she's a fierce soccer player, or as they would say, football player, one of the absolute best trying to go pro, or has that, let, let's put it this way, is good enough to go pro. But she has a lot of family issues that are getting in the way, including her abusive father, the patriarchal assumptions that her house kind of, the patriarchal rules which she lives under, basically. And she's got to be careful not to step outside the lines and just watching her come into her own on the field as well as off. And there's a great romance. um, And I do think it's feminist because it isn't in the way of her athleticism. And she is a strong athlete apart from the romance. Oh, it's just so good. Did you read it? (laughs) I haven't read it yet. I know that's oh terrible to admit. It's not I terrible. Have- it's not terrible. <laughs> but you honestly, it is like, it, it is just, I just like, I, I held, it was one of those books where after I was done, I just held it to my heart. You know, oh. it was just that good. It is so, so beautifully written and beautifully done. And yeah, if it really, it's just brilliant. I'm looking at my copy on the shelf right now and it's, it's like taunting me. Like there are so many books that I want to read. I just can't, can't catch up. I, that's the problem. That's the problem. There's so many wonderful books, which is a great problem to have. Yes. Well, I started reading a graphic novel the other day that is about basketball and it's called A Map to the Sun by Sloane Leong. Have you read it or have you seen it? No. Oh my gosh. So this is a graphic novel, which is really cool because, you know, you see illustrations of a sport and action. And it's about these two girls who meet the summer before high school on the basketball court. And they have this like instant sort of friendship connection. One girl, Ren, is very good at basketball. And Luna is a surfer that's in Los Angeles. And she, um, you know, she'll play with Ren. And they both are, you know, athletic. It's, you know, pretty obvious from the illustrations without them having to come out Mm. and say it. But then Luna has to leave LA to go back to Oahu um, because her mother is sick. And she kind of like ghosts Ren. And then the Mm. book sort of skips ahead to high school. 
And she comes back kind of suddenly. And then they're both thrown together on this basketball team. And the basketball team's, you know, trying to get on off the ground. Um, It's a newer team and they both really want to win. But their friendship is kind of like in this weird sort of rocky place because Mm. um, Luna just disappeared without really saying much about why she was leaving. Wow. So and the most striking thing about this book is the color in this graphic novel Mm. like it's they're so hyper saturated and gorgeous and the author and illustrator does so much with her use of color for conveying emotion and so it's beautiful Mm. oh that's so cool oh i have to check it out you do have to check it out and then i have it on my shelf it's next to furia on the shelf and i'm looking at it now but i haven't read it yet but i'm excited to is bruised by tanya botheju which is about roller derby and like talk about fierce females. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I do think there's room for more in the roller derby world. I feel like we've gotten a couple of movies, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I definitely feel like that's an untapped sport that we could use more of. I, yeah, I need to put that on my to read list as well. Absolutely. Oh, so many great recommendations. Do you have anything else that you want to share with us? Anything else that you, you know, want to touch on that we didn't already? Only that when you were just talking about the basketball and you were, it reminded me of Love and Basketball. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah. I love that movie so stinking much. And I would like my YA version of that movie. I oh, I yes. just think it's so brilliant and so smart and oh, it's just so good. Yeah. So th- th- I don't know why that popped into my head, but apparently <laughs> I needed to get that off off my chest. Just put it out in the universe. Maybe I somebody know, will make exactly. it happen. <laughs> it was such a good movie. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, Emma. This has been so much fun. As a reminder, Emma's book, Dangerous Play, comes out next month, August 3rd. So definitely pick it up when it comes out. Get your pre-orders in. Thank you so much to today's sponsor for making the show possible. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Tears of Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. And Emma, where can readers and listeners find you? I am on TikTok and Twitter at Emma, E-M-M-A, down slash Kress, K-R-E-S-S. And I'm at Instagram, Kress.Emma. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. This has been so much fun. This has been such a treat. I could talk to you for years about books. Yay. Uh, Thank you so much to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making Hey YA sound great. If you enjoyed listening to Hey YA and you've picked out a book that we have recommended, we would love to hear about it. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or drop us a line. We will see you again next week for the main podcast. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading.